The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. So, Kat... What happened was... What happened was... So, they were called into Dumbledore's office because he was a little bit mad. Because? So, well, I'm getting there. Mm. It's on the paper. (laughs) So, he was a little bit mad. So, they all got there. He sent the boys out and focused on... Maya. Maya. I almost said it. Sorry. So he talked to her about following the letter that Lupin gave her and asked if she had changed anything in the timeline since she had been here. And she was like, I don't know, because I can't tell the difference if I'm changing it or if I'm just reacting naturally. Like, I don't know, bro. So there was that. And then... She said that she couldn't tell if she was or not, and then there was a Quidditch game, but then Dumbledore stopped said Quidditch game and sent them all to their rooms, and no one was allowed to go outside the castle, and then there was something about Fenny or Greyback, and I think he was mad about the thing, and Dumbledore, I think he was mad about the thing about um, Remus almost killing Sirius when he was in his Anna. Yeah, Snape. Okay, there you go. Snape in his animagus form. Werewolf and then there form. was talk Yes. And then there was the talk about whatever was happening with Finny or Greyback, and then they were talking about getting into their animagus form, but they couldn't be in their animagus form for some reason. And then like the very end is where we're gonna start off now because it's like a pack. So to me that means they're gonna turn into their animagus form because they're gonna be a pack of animals. Guys, I'm so proud. So, minor corrections. Um, Dumbledore was concerned because Sirius tricked Snape by telling Snape how to get under the Whomping Willow to get to the Shrieking Shack. And as a result, Remus could have hurt really, really badly. And so, obviously, everybody was really upset with Sirius for being such a jerk and almost getting Snape killed. Not because Snape almost died, but because Remus really would have suffered and would have felt very, very, very guilty. So, they felt, you know, understandably angry at Sirius. So, everybody finally forgave him except for Maya. And then they finally got Maya to um, forgive him because he threatened to sit out the Slytherin-Gryffindor-Quidditch game if... He was not forgiven. Shortly after the game started, an auror went to talk to Dumbledore. And no, 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 An enemy. But anyway, an auror went to talk to Dumbledore. And so they paused the game. 
And then they saw somebody walk out of the Forbidden Forest and they were like, that's super sketch. Oh, wait, yeah, no. They went up to their rooms and Remus went out to the Whomping Willow with Madame Pomfrey, but they saw somebody coming out of the forest and they were like, sketchy. So they all went downstairs and um, were like hiding under the cloak slash disillusion slash as a rat. And um, Fenrir Greyback, like Remus went under the Whomping Willow, but then Fenrir dragged him out unconscious and it turns out that their super sketch defense against the dark arts teacher had actually told Fenrir that Remus was there and is clearly aligned with Voldemort and his son the defense against the dark arts son is also a werewolf but he's like I don't have a son he drowned and Fenrir's like yo I'll tell your boy you said what's up and so the Marauders are concerned because even if they show up in their animagus form, even with the Wolfsbane potion, Remus has to obey Fenrir because Fenrir is his alpha. And Fenrir is stronger because he has a back. Pack. Werewolves are inherently stronger with a pack. And that is where we left off. So, all in all, good job. I just added some extra details. You got the big stuff. I got the minutiae. Uh, a little note about the chapter below, italicized dialogue equals flashback moment. I tried to be as clear as possible, but just in case. Also, as you know, I take background from both books and movies, and you'll see that below. Enjoy and have a great weekend. Also remember that previously in the podcast, if we're going back in time, we go So if you hear that means we are traveling in time. If we have gone backwards, the now means we are moving forwards. If we are in the present, means we're going in the past. Is everybody up on there? Good, good, good. Also, I make this noise because it's good for beckoning cats. Ironic finger guns. Rude. Anyway. Rude. Also, important to note, y'all better embrace this. Absorb it. Savor it. Because this is the second to last episode of season three, and then you have a two-week drought. Suckers. (laughs) April 14th. Oh, wait, sorry. Chapter 49. Pack. April 14th, 1976. Maya could not believe she never saw the signs. You're mine, too, you know. You belong to me. It's like, if I were an alpha wolf, you'd be my beta. What about Sirius, James, and Peter? They're in the pack, too. We're pack, she whispered in realization. We have to go. I'll explain on the way, but I think I know how to save Remus. She smiled, nervously, as she took her first step towards the forest, flanked immediately by James and Sirius, who had no reservations about trusting her or following after two werewolves. Wait! Peter called. I... I... His round face was pale, and his eyes were wide, though he refused to make eye contact with any of them. Someone should tell Dumbledore. James looked as though he agreed with Peter. But Maya was already in predator mode, and she could smell the fear rippling off of him. She heard Sirius growl low in his throat. He could likely smell it too, but she held up a hand. Peter's right. 
If he wants to go and tell Dumbledore, he should. Tell him that Greyback took Remus into the forest and that you saw him with Higgs. Don't say a word about us. Remember, you're an illegal animagus, too, she pointed out, her throat, er, her threat clear. If Peter somehow got the three of them caught for being animagi, Maya would take him down with them. Wait a second. I can't remember if you explained this to me before. What the heck is an illegal animagi? So technically when you learn how to transform into an animal, you're supposed to register so that the ministry knows that you can do it. So like McGonagall is registered as a cat. That way, if the cat is ever captured, they know it's her. Oh, so it's kind of like how they can't do magic outside of Hogwarts until they're a certain age, so they yep, can't be. Yep, okay. yep, It's no different than Got being it. an esthetician in the muggle world. You can know how to do nails. You can't do it professionally until you have a license. Um, yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Sure. Maya sighed and turned back to her br- Oh, wait, sorry. Peter nodded, shifted into his rat form, and scurried away. Maya sighed and turned back to her brave Gryffindor boys. Marauder does not equal pack, she said firmly as she stormed past James and Sirius, her eyes fixated upon the shadowed trees in front of them. She knew what she needed to do in order to save her friend, her alpha, and she could not help but feel a weight lifted off of her shoulders in knowing that Peter Pettigrew would not be a part of the pack they would create. Where they were going, there was no room for cowards. Maya, have you been in the Forbidden Forest before? James asked as he and Sirius followed his sister. Her steps held no hesitation as she turned towards an unmarked path. Sort of, she lied. She had been in the forest numerous times over the course of her life. She remembered the Thestral herd generally lived to the right of where they were headed, and noticed the prints on the ground confirming her suspicions. She knew that the centaurs lived closer to the center of the forest in a large clearing that was similar to the one where the final battle of the Second Wizarding War took place, where Harry killed Voldemort, where she, Remus, and Sirius almost died. Not again. I turn the Room of Requirement into the Forbidden Forest sometimes. It replicates it perfectly, but since the room can't produce living beings, it's virtually empty. It allows me access to the forest without the element of danger. It's where I trained to become an Animagus, she explained, leaving out the part about how it was her go-to room to shag Remus. Moon will be up soon, kitten, Sirius said. Better start explaining your plan before we have to shift. Werewolves are similar to regular wolves in that they can either belong to a pack or be a lone wolf. Remus is a lone wolf, but only because of circumstances, she said, as she struggled to step over a large, broken tree branch, watching as both Sirius and James cleared the obstacle with the ease of their long legs. Each pack has an alpha, the strongest. He controls the pack, and, amongst werewolves, the progeny of the alpha don't have the ability to fight back. They aren't powerful enough. Remus needs to embrace his inner alpha. But Greyback's the one who turned Remus. That makes him his progeny, right? So how can Remus be an alpha? James asked. Because Sirius and I made him one, Maya said. We didn't mean to at the time, of course, but we did. Shock on his face, Sirius took hold of her arm and spun her to face him. How? 
It's a bond. I felt it during my training while I was reaching out for Remus during my meditations. I could feel the familial bond that reached out to you, Jamie, she said, refusing to speak of the soul bond she felt between herself and Sirius. There was something else, though, an invisible string that took me to the Shrieking Shack during the full moon, but also brought me back to the forest where I knew you two were training. It was an unprovoked pack bond. She looked skyward, shook off Sirius's grip, and moved faster as the moon began to rise. I know about bonds. Unprovoked bonds don't mean anything, Maya, Sirius said as he followed her. It basically just says we're all connected just by existing in the same world. For witches and wizards, yes, Maya agreed, though she noted that Sirius was ignorant to a lot of the details. Werewolves are different. Regular bonds usually exist between family members or married couples. There's no hierarchy except with house elves, and even then it's only one-sided. Werewolf packs have a hierarchy. It's necessary for their survival, or else they'd all just kill each other. What does that have to do with us? James asked, as he leapt over a large rock. We're not werewolves. Most bonds are provoked by emotions and actions, Jamie. Preparation and provocation. Sirius and I took the first step to prepare a pack bond with Remus the first night we were with him in the Shrieking Shack. We submitted, Sirius said clarity written all over his expression. Translate? James snapped, narrowing his eyes at them. Because Sirius and I are pack animagi, we had to submit to Mooney in order to show that we weren't a threat to him. Passive submission, at least. Folded ears and tucked tails, she answered. Then, Mooney passively scent-marked us. When Sirius and I did that, we were recognizing the potential for a pack bond, and, in doing so, we established the hierarchy. We made Remus an alpha by literally bowing at his bloody paws, Sirius barked a quick laugh. <laughs> okay, so we can, uh, we can get him away from Greyback by, what, active submission? That'll provoke the bond? She nodded quickly. First, we have to get Greyback out of the way. Mooney won't be able to see us provoking the bond until Greyback loses rank in front of him. That'll require bloodshed. She swallowed hard. Of course it requires bloodshed. What bond ritual doesn't? Her mind drifted back to pulling Sirius from the veil, the blood from her hand, the golden glow, and then suddenly the pull toward him. For him. Okay... James nodded, looking nervous as they continued moving through the forest. Us three against a crazed, bloodthirsty werewolf. No problem, he said sarcastically. What's the next step after provoking a bond? Sealing it, Maya answered, and then cleared her throat. Um, we don't need to do that. Why not? Wouldn't it be stronger? James asked with a raised brow. Yes, but... It's just that you and Sirius definitely wouldn't want to do it. Hey, if Remus's life is on the line here, Maya, I'd do just about anything, James defended adamantly. Sirius laughed, but then he cleared his throat in an obvious bid to be stern. <clears throat> uh, prongs, werewolves seal their bonds by mating and then marking each other. Brown chicken, brown cow. Oh, that's what that means. Yeah, they do the pam, pam, oh. pam, and then the.
bite mark. Oh, I thought it was like when like actual animals like pee on stuff to mark. No, 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 no. Mating, not marking. Well, yes, also marking, but the marking is with a bite, not urine. Points okay, for thinking say, of urine. It does though. say marking. <laughs> well, no. that's what they do. No, I'm just picturing Remus like peeing on Jamie's leg. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't put it past him, but <laughs> or or better yet, Remus is a wolf. It's just like lifting his leg and marking the stack. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of my dog. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they are boys, so I wouldn't really put it past them either, so. Especially these boys. Preach it. James stood still for a moment, his face turning an interesting shade of crimson. Right, so he'll survive just fine with an unsealed bond, he asked clearly, and Sirius stifled a laugh but nodded. Is the plan to just... James was cut off by a loud scream in the distance, followed quickly by another. The three looked skyward and saw the full moon in all its bright damage and glory. They listened to the echoes of Remus's painful cries, and Maya winced, closing her eyes and burying her face in Sirius's chest as he, protect- as he wrapped a protective arm around her. Remus always had to suffer through the transformation, but she could not imagine what was happening to him now, knowing Greyback was there with him. She could not fathom how afraid he was. Also, fun fact, it is currently a full moon, all of you, because uh, I think the full moon strikes on Thursday, so technically Friday it should still be full. Haha. <laughs> but, you know, we're really glad that Remus isn't suffering, so, you know. Like, yay, full moon, but also, oh, full moon. That was Claire's witch sense tingling having to say that. Yes, yes, yes. Just like my wish sense is tingling and reminding me that I need to plant the kale that I have upstairs. Anyway. We need to find them before they find us, James insisted. Shift now and stay in sight. You keep to the back and sides, Sirius instructed. Mooney recognizes prongs, but to Greyback, you're nothing but prey. James, looking indignant, nodded anyway and turned from them both to shift. His arms fell forward, molding into long legs that had him hit the ground with hooves. He gave a shake of his messy hair, and his head formed into the face of a noble stag, antlers branching outward, large and sharp. Ow! Maya chuckled at the sight. Pray, indeed. Sirius took a deep breath and leapt forward, shifting midair and landing on the ground with big black paws. Padfoot's eyes turned to look back at her, and he pressed his muzzle into her open hand, a silent gesture of comfort. Maya inhaled sharply, trying to control her emotions. Was it really just a few hours ago that she had been so angry with him? She closed her eyes and slipped to the ground in a movement that still felt like water pulling her down. Her eyes opened, and her pointed ears twitched as she listened up ahead. The screams had stopped, but she could hear noises. A look to Padfoot next to her, and Maya knew he heard it too. Whimpering. Stealthily, she and Padfoot followed straight ahead towards the noises, while Prongs stopped and lingered several yards to the side. 
She looked at her surroundings as she moved through the brush and felt a sharp, painful memory resurface. This is where it happened the first time. She knew that collection of trees just to the right, and as she checked behind her for a moment, she could see the pathway perfectly, as though she were looking back through her human eyes. But not just Maya's eyes, Hermione Granger's eyes. Running through the forest with Harry's hand clenched tightly in hers, a recently spun time-turner around her neck, and a werewolf on their heels. Remus transformed. Those trees, that path, it was all the same, and Maya could almost see Buckbeak in the distance waiting for them. If she looked far enough ahead with her vulpine eyes, she was certain she could see the lake bank where Harry fought the Dementors. She could hear Mooney howling in the distant memory, echoing in her mind as she ran, following Padfoot, and the scents and sounds that drew them both continually forward. The Executioner. He's gone to get the Dementors. This is it, Hermione, Harry said, before helping her on top of the back of the hippogriff. They flew, flew far too high and much too fast for her liking, all the way back to the castle where she could see Sirius Black, escaped convict, sitting in a room looking out of the 13th window from the right on the west tower. Stand back, Hermione said to Harry, and she took out her wand, still gripping the back of Harry's ribs with her left hand. Alohomora! The window sprang open, freeing Sirius Black. Sirius climbed onto the back of Buckbeak, flinging a leg over the large flying beast and leaning forward, looking at Hermione with an apology in his eyes and... something else that she did not know how to place. She nodded to him with a sympathetic smile, silently saying it was okay for him to hold on to her as they flew away. While Hermione kept her eyes shut tight for most of the flight, she opened them the moment Buckbeak put his claws down on top of the west tower. Harry jumped off immediately, but for a brief moment, Hermione could not move because Sirius still had an arm around her waist. Sirius, you better go. Quick, Harry panted. They'll reach Flitwick's office any moment. They'll find out you're gone. Suddenly, Sirius let go of Hermione. She turned and smiled at him, and he looked on the verge of tears as his slate gray eyes met her gaze. She passed it off as gratitude, knowing that the innocent man probably had not seen kindness in a very long time. Sirius Black smirked at her. I owe you a life debt, little witch. He'd known... Oh, sorry. He'd known, Maya thought, her breath catching in her throat as she continued to run, the memory clearer now than ever before. It all started that night. The Shrieking Shack, Sirius, Remus, and Peter. A full moon and a transformed werewolf. Hermione had howled to distract Mooney from their earlier selves, and he had come straight for her. She remembered the essay she had written for Snape. Werewolves only responded to the call of their pack. You get what she's implying, right? Yes, the part of the movie when she starts howling and then they... He comes after them. Well, yeah, but (laughs) the werewolf would only respond to a pack member, which means if Ron had howled, he wouldn't have come. Oh, snap. He came to her because she's pack. Light bulb. Light bulb. Future Remus was right. 
Time was a circle. She was a catalyst. And everything that was happening was meant to happen. The night she had saved Sirius's life, he had recognized her. Recognized Maya in Hermione Granger's eyes. The night she created the life debt that he owed her. The same night she called into the forest and Mooney had responded. Tonight was the night that made that moment in the future possible. Tonight she would become one of Remus's own kind. Pack. The memories cleared from her mind as she noticed Padfoot slowing down ahead of her. She inhaled, slow and deep. So many scents lingered in the forest that it was difficult at first to pick through them. She smelled a nest of birds in the trees above her, and a herd of thestrals a mile behind. Somewhere, in the far distance, she could smell the sweet, lingering scent of a unicorn in its foal. She could smell prongs moving around the small clearing, and, if she focused her eyes, she could see him straight through the trees. Finally, just up ahead, she smelled something wonderfully familiar. Parchment and grass. Moony. And something horribly recognizable. Blood and sweat. Grayback. She closed in on Padfoot, silently slinking beneath his bear-like frame and hovering around his giant paw, rubbing the side of her cheek against it as a silent way of letting him know that she was there, she was okay, and she was ready. She felt his confirmation when he breathed down against the fur of her head. Mooney was flat on the ground, whimpering softly, gold eyes looking up at the large, gray, matted wolf hovering over him dominantly. Stiff-legged and tall, Grayback was much larger than Mooney, who, in the shadow of the Alpha, looked like a cub in comparison. Grayback growled, teeth bared, his hackles bristling, and his tail high as he leant down to pin Mooney further into submission, forcefully nudging the younger wolf's snout with his own to push his neck to the side. Mooney was struggling, and Maya knew it was because of the wolf's bane. Remus was in there, and he was fighting back even though she knew Mooney would feel the need to submit to his alpha. Mooney let out a soft growl when Greyback pushed against him. As punishment for essentially speaking against his alpha, the Grey Wolf viciously bit at Mooney's flank, tearing his teeth into flesh. Maya's eyes widened, and she went to move forward to attack, but Padfoot's mouth around the scruff of her neck prevented her from doing so blindly. The smell of Mooney's blood flooded her senses and made her feel sick. It made her think of every morning after the full moon she had ever been through with Remus, when he was eleven and sobbing into her arms, when he was thirty-eight and trying to hold composure so as not to frighten her. She had seen enough of Remus's blood, too much of it. She took in a slow breath to calm herself and leant forward slightly, nipping Padfoot's paw to let him know it was time. Padfoot crept slowly through the brush, advancing through the trees. He made no sound at first, but there was no need to be quiet. His size alone would draw Greyback's attention, even if the old werewolf had not smelled him. Greyback turned and growled at the dog, towering over him, but Padfoot did not back down. Maya trained her gaze on Mooney, who was staring at Padfoot and taking in short, shallow breaths. Calm down, love, she thought. Greyback gave a low growl of warning. 
Padfoot ignored it, of course, leaking, leaping forward and sinking teeth into the werewolf's neck with abandon. Greyback fought back, and suddenly the two were struggling for the upper hand, each on their hind legs trying to force the other backward into submission. Maya made a run for it, darting quickly over to Mooney. She looked up into his eyes, and he backed away from her, his focus darting to Greyback as though he was trying to plead with her to run, to save herself and Padfoot. Mooney could not help them. There was a loud yelp, and she turned in horror to see Greyback fling Padfoot off of him, the dog's body slamming into a large tree behind him and crumpling to the ground with a thud, blood spurting from his front leg. A frenzied rage filled up inside of her, and she rushed forward, jumping high and landing on the back of the large wolf, digging her sharp, narrow teeth into the back of the beast's neck, biting hard and feeling powerful when she tasted copper. Greyback let out a loud howl and began thrashing, and she struggled to hang on. The motion was too rough. She lost her grip and flipped over his head, landing hard on the ground in front of the wolf, who was snarling down at her. His lips curled back over his large fangs. She tried to run, but realized her back leg was injured. She would never escape in time. She bared her own teeth, not willing to show fear in the fit. Cheer, bleh, 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 fuck! I was doing so good! She bared her teeth, not willing to show fear to the beast, even now, when the danger was all too real. Her defiance appeared to only enrage Greyback more, or excite him. She could not tell. The rushing sound of hooves drowned out Greyback's snarling, and she looked up to see prongs charging, head bowed down and forward. Pray indeed. This was not, there was not enough time for Greyback to react as the pointed antlers of the mighty stag impaled him through his ribs and neck, running him straight to the ground. Prong shook his head, bucking his back legs t wildly, tearing fur and flesh. He eventually dislodged the wolves from his now bloody antlers before turning around to deliver a fierce back kick to the open wound in Greyback's side. Blood Sounds like your night last night. <laughs> Sorry. We're not going to talk about <laughs> the horror that was my husband butchering Bambi's mother in my garage. That's what it sounds like. <sighs> Nothing says I'm a hunting widow more than, okay, I'm going to hoist it up and you just make sure the head goes in the bucket so that all of the blood drains into the bucket instead. But Jimmy's not dead. No, Jimmy's not dead. The doe was dead. But you can't be a widow because he's not no, dead. No, 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 no. Hunting widow. It means that you're alone every weekend because your husband's off hunting. Oh. It is not a term I knew until I became a hunting widow. Hannah Beth knows what I mean. Hashtag duck hunting. I will say, though, saves a lot of money on beef. Plus, that summer sausage he made was on fleek. Okay, you know what? Shut up. Dude, so fucking good. Come visit. I don't want to hear about Come, it. I, I don't want to hear. I'm going to try and get him to make more so we can bring it down for Thanksgiving. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I take it all back. Mm-hmm. Might even try and do some jerky, too. Be nice to me. Anyway. I am nice to you. I just bought you something that you don't even need right now. <laughs> I do like presents. I bought you a wine glass. Yeah, and what am I supposed to do with that? There's a 99.9% .9 chance I might actually be allergic, so I can only drink juice out of it. 
I mean, you can literally put anything in it. You could put vodka in it. I could. I have some in my closet. Honeysuckle. Ooh, yum. Okay, anyway, back to James fucking wrecking gray back with antlers. Um, blood spurted to the ground. Greyback snarled in bitter pain as he tried, and failed, to move. Another low growl filled the air, and the three animagi turned to see Mooney slowly stand, his snout high as the scent of Greyback's blood triggered something primal inside of him. Maya limped towards Padfoot, who was looking at the large gash in his front paw. They both watched cautiously as Mooney walked over to sniff at Greyback's shaking body. Greyback snarled up at Mooney, but Mooney suddenly, confidently, and viciously growled back, his eyes a pure liquid gold, practically glowing in the dark of night. Maya nipped at Padfoot's uninjured paw to get his attention, and she moved forward, creeping low before the sandy wolf, who immediately looked down at her. She lowered herself as far to the ground as possible, ears back and tail tucked, and Mooney watched, approval in his eyes at the sight. Padfoot followed close behind her, mimicking her movements exactly. Following their instructions, Prong ke- Prongs kept his distance, stepping backward and keeping his eyes trained on the injured grayback just in case. As Mooney stepped forward, Maya and Padfoot turned their heads to the side at the same time, willingly exposing their neck to the werewolf who towered over them, looking larger now than even Greyback, who is monstrous. Mooney stepped forward, leaning down and sniffing at Maya, before wrapping his jaws around her neck in a show of dominance, showing that he could kill her, but was choosing not to. She remained firmly on the ground, her throat bared even as Mooney moved over and repeated the process with Padfoot. Once he had finished, Mooney stepped back and turned to look at Greyback, who was snarling up at his progeny, slowly backing away from him, his golden eyes almost flashing red with absolute rage and yet a hint of fear. Mooney let out a loud howl, and they all watched as Greyback turned and ran into the distance. The moment he was gone, a bright silver light swirled in the air, encircling the wolf, the fox, the stag, and the dog. Our Patreon tears. <laughs> Maya could not help but remember the bond she had provoked with Sirius. By blood and sacrifice, she thought, just as light and magic burst all around them. Okay, so you know how when you're, like, younger and you watch, like, certain shows or movies and you're just, like, going with the flow, but then as you get older and you watch those movies or shows again and you start to question things, like, how does she have time to do all of that and work at the same time? Like, she's barely at work, but yet she's doing all these other things. You know what I mean? Like, you start to question it and you really shouldn't question it. But What are you questioning? You should just go with it. Yeah. But so my question is, is that even though I shouldn't question it because I should just be like, it's magic. Where do the antlers go when they are in human form? Like that has to freaking hurt. Like, where do the antlers go? I think they just sort of like melt back into his head the same way that Remus's bones shrink back to normal size. It's magic. I know, but like... You know how it is. Like, you just question these things. Like, ugh. 
So I just want to know where the antlers go. If anybody wants to post an article about the, what anime am I talking guy. about? The science, yeah, the science of anime guy, then I will totally read that because I have questions. Calling all magic Actually, zoologists. you know what? I'll just tweet Daniel Ratcliffe. He can explain it to me. He made this Um, up. Eddie Redmayne. Oh, yes, because he is the care of magical creatures guy. Okay, He's yes. a fantastic beast and where to find him. He is a magizoologist, so he yeah. will know. Yes. April. F- I am a no madge. I need to know that. <laughs> I love you. April 15th, 1976. Sunlight broke through the trees the following morning, and Maya opened her eyes to find that she had shifted back into human form overnight. She did not remember falling asleep, so she could only assume that when the bond was provoked and the light erupted around them, it knocked them all unconscious. She winced as the sun blinded her for a moment, and she pushed up, but felt something warm both pulling and pushing her down. She glanced downward to find Sirius peacefully asleep in her lap, arms wrapped tightly around her waist, his mess of black hair covering his face. Turning her head, she saw Remus and smiled the weight of his arm around her shoulders making her feel all safe like he always did. She exhaled slowly and leaped back into his embrace while stroking her fingers through Sirius's hair, a habit that had become more soothing for her than it had for him over the many, many years. You look comfortable, James's voice broke through the silence. She turned back and looked over at her brother who was smirking at her, his black hair sticking up in the back and his glasses slightly askew. I am. James chuckled softly. Reminds me of when we were little. She smiled a bit sadly. Yeah, I miss those days. James nodded and let out a loud sigh. Me too. Mostly because I didn't feel awkward about you cuddling with my mates. Ah, the good old days when Mooney wasn't naked behind my sister and Padfoot didn't have a morning erection. What? Maya jumped and accidentally threw her hip bone into Sirius's forehead. Ow, what the fuck? Sirius yelped, gripping his head. James laughed. Maya brought her hands to her mouth and gasped. Oh, Sirius, I'm so sorry. She pouted at the sight of him holding his forehead, then leaned down and kissed the top of his head. Are you okay? Never better. Fought a werewolf, got injured. He groaned as he sat up, holding his arm to show the gash in it bonded myself to my mates, and woke up with a girl assaulting me. You know, just like any other morning. He hissed and scraped a hand through his hair, shying away from the sunlight. All right there, prongs. Woke up with blood in my hair, James admitted. Other than that, I'm good. Maya gaped at him. Blood in your hair? Yeah, from the, you know. He used his hands to mimic his antlers thrusting forward. Epic werewolf skewering. I don't suppose this is a story we could tell Evans. He chuckled, his overwhelming confidence clearly coming to the fore, much to Maya's dismay. I come out of this looking pretty bloody heroic, if I do say so myself. You were quite the champion, Jamie. Maya smiled at him, and then laughed when his smug face turned to something looking like genuine appreciation. Sirius smirked. Absolutely. Prongs, the protector. James grinned back at his best friend. Padfoot, the paladin. And Vixen, the vanquisher. Sirius turned and beamed at Maya. She glared at him. Stop calling me Vixen. 
I don't like nicknames. Maya the Marvelous, James declared. Not to break up this little celebration, Remus mumbled roughly, his face buried in the crook of his arm as he curled up behind Maya, still naked. But could someone please transfigure some trousers for me? And scene. Good fight scene. Good fight scene. Ooh, this is going to be a short episode. I feel bad. I told everybody to enjoy it and embrace it, and we're going to jip them, but... Well, I I have a few complaints about some things that have nothing to do with Harry Potter, so we could talk about that for ten minutes, but... <laughs> Then we'll get a review. I don't care. Luckily, this is at the end of the episode. If you no longer care, feel free to skip the end of the episode, unless you want to listen to the Patreon names, in which case continue listening. First and foremost, what do you think of the episode? Good fight scene. I like some bloodshed. I like a good duel every now and then. Yeah, I like uh, Vlad the Impaler. Sorry, Prongs the Impaler. Yes. I can't wait for more dirty things, though. It's coming. People like dirty. (laughs) And when we say people, we mean cat. (sighs) And people. To quote cat, I'm frustrated. Hey. (laughs) Nobody cares. Uh, that was a running theme in season one and two, and picking labels off of water bottles, but beer bottles. Yes, more specifically, angry orchards. Mmm, cider. That sounds delicious yes. right now. Yes. Anywho, I'm trying to think. We did have a giveaway for our anniversary, so congratulations to Brandy Van Lu for winning our t-shirt. I am an asshole and still haven't ordered it yet. By the time this episode airs, I will have. So, my apologies uh, actually to everyone in the podcast world. My work life has taken a turn for the psychotic, so I am definitely not as podcasty as I usually am, and I sincerely apologize, but... Things are slowing down a little more, so I will be back to your normal, happy, over-posty self. Yeah, and I'm making popsicles live in life. In magical paradise. I'm out of Ritz chips. Ritz chips? Ritz chips. What about them? I'm out. Oh. Well, I'm glad I heard what you actually said, because it cut out for a second. I thought you said Rin's chips. I'm like, Rin makes chips now? (laughs) It's like, I want some chips. (laughs) You make Dead of Time chips now? What happened? Speaking of Rin and Starcross Centuries, we no longer have any more paid commercials for the month of October for them, but I'm going to promote them anyway, because they just released the October Secret Melts. And Stormy Night and Hot Apple Pie with a Bourbon Glaze and Jesus fucking Christ. It just, oh, I said I wasn't going to say that anymore. And then I said it. Anyway, 
It all sounds like it smells amazing. And I already have a box on the way, but I placed another order because I have no self-control because Dark Cross Entries makes me happy. Yeah, I got a box on the way too. I got the um, autumn bonfire with the wood wick so I can feel like I have a fire. Oh, that's cute. I appreciate it. Yes, and I also got the wax melt of the apple pie and the bourbon glaze, and I got a pumpkin spice candle because I'm a basic witch. Oh, the pumpkin spice is good. Yeah, because I'm a basic witch. Pumpkin spice is real good. I think I sent you, like, a small sample of that one. I've got the... Yes, in the melt. I've got the pumpkin creme brulee thing on the way. That sounds delicious. Yes, and I have an electric wax melter coming on Wednesday, so... So you can stop burning through tea candles. <laughs> yes, oh my god. It's going to be amazing. I'm excited for you. Thanks. I'm excited for myself. I'm just so proud. I don't have to send them to you anymore. She's buying her own. Well, I don't have to pay somebody to tutor me in math anymore, so I have stuff to spend at the moment. Sparingly. Always fun. Always fun. Also, Kat and I have invested in slightly more Fire Whiskey and Honey merchandise so that we can take photos and make it look nice on Instagrams so that y'all can see what it is that you can buy from our stuff at Tee Public, and it's awesome. And I feel like I just made a farting noise on my chair, but it wasn't <laughs> farting. I'm going to do it again just in case you can hear it. Of course it's not doing no. it again. I'm not farting. It's the chair. I'm an adult. Oh, Jesus. Maddie and Joseph. Correct. <sighs> anyway. By the way, whoever told me to listen to that Black Tapes podcast, I like it, but now I'm at an episode that I'm afraid to, like, continue listening to. I'm afraid. I am very, very afraid. Thank you very much. Damn it, now I'm intrigued. I started listening to Serial. Well, she starts talking about this sound that when you hear it, you'll die within a year. And she's like, after this break, we're going to hear the sound. And I'm like, no, 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 we are not listening to this anymore. No. Cat doesn't want to die from a tone. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. Like, I'm scared to continue listening. So whoever told me to listen to this, please reassure me that it's going to be okay. Because <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> anyway, the dead of time. <laughs> oh, wait, it's over. <laughs> it is over, in fact, Kat. So... I feel like we've juiced up this episode a little bit more, and I hope those of you who have stuck with us through this are at least entertained and feel like you got to spend some time with your friends, because at the end of the day, that's what we hope we are. Your imaginary best friends who you haven't actually met, but you love us and we love you. It's a real thing. We're actually and friends. hopefully when the state of the world goes back to normal and we're no longer infecting each other, we will meet you someday. Yes, we will be at LeakyCon at some point. It will happen. We'll figure it out. Even if I, you know, yes. manage to be successful in my endeavors and have to drag a small man Drake with me, we will figure it out. It'll happen. It's okay. We'll put them on the teacups afterwards. We'll go to Disney World. It'll be fine. I'll just stick like a fire whiskey and honey sticker on the baby carrier. It'll be fine. 
Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah it'll be good. It'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be fine. Yes. Good, yes. fine. Fine, good. Yes. Yes. We'll get it a, a mandrake onesie. It'll be fine. <laughs> anyway. So, thank the people. Thank the people. And when we thank the people, it is actually going to be the September names. Yes, I know it is October. However, we do not do the recording of the names until like the third or the fourth of the month because sometimes, you know, they try to build, cards get bounced, declined, counts changed, cards have changed over, whatever. We like to give a nice buffer to ensure that we are getting all of our October Patreons listed. So we do apologize for the delay for all of our new Patreons because there are a ton of you and we're very excited to have all of you with us, but your names will appear in next week's episode. Let's thank our foxes. We would like to thank Miriam, Rachel, Becky, Jackie, Aguila, Becky, Rebecca, Carissa, Sandra, Chelsea, Nevi, Ryder, Ryland, Olivia, Ashley, Heather, Amara, Claire, Claire, Roshan, Jade, Hannah, Shannon, Audrey, Paige, Jillian, Kelly, Martina, Samantha, Amanda, Miranda, Sarah, Danielle, Caitlin, Rin, and Laura. Thank you so much, everybody, for contributing. And uh, and I think that's it. Yeah. Thanks to all of you who entertained me the other day when I was bored and asked questions on Instagram. Some good thought-provoking ones there. I wasn't expecting that, you deep thinkers. <laughs> but I appreciated the entertainment. And we will see you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Um. I do the om thing because Catherine is doing like the hands together like om style. So that's why it was home. No idea why I'm doing that. Anyways, the dead of time. No, we finished (laughs) the dead of time. Yes, we we will see you next. Fire whiskey. Home. Okay, we done. Oh. Om. Om. I don't know why I'm doing things. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.